Hi everyone. Today we are going to be talking about pandemic love. Now you might be wondering what I'm talking about and I'm sure many of you have seen that love is in the air for several people, people getting engaged, starting new relationships, but I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm also talking about people who are taking huge leaps of faith into new seasons of life, starting businesses, switching careers, finishing grad school, and more. Because we know love shows up in our life in a multitude of ways. So whether it's related to being married or getting engaged or not, the pandemic has not been all bad for some of us. And in some ways, it's giving people um, the space to have a new start, to get fresh vision about what they need um, and align for what's to come. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to talk to Faith about a few big things going on in her life because she can truly relate to our theme of pandemic love. Faith is making all kinds of changes, folks. Faith. So (laughs) let's talk about transition and change. Yes, there's so much change happening. Okay, so many of you may or may not know, I move a lot, like a lot. Um, In my 20s alone, I had 11 roommates. And I stopped my roommate journey when I turned 27. So... I stopped my roommate journey with people outside of my family. So I've like since still like had stints of living with um, where my brother and I were roommates with like me and his wife and kids or I was roommates with my mom. So um, but I have stopped being a roommate um, because it was a lot. It was a lot. And I moved a lot. I probably moved like every year of my 20s, honestly, to be honest with you. And um, now even into my 30s because... I'm moving again. We'll get back to that later, though. Um, but change is hard, and it doesn't matter what the change is. It's really difficult. But I do have this mantra in life to live freely and love deeply. Um, and that is what really opens up my heart to change. Like, that's how I can adapt and decide to switch things, to switch things up, to try new things, to take leaps of faith. So for me, I know whenever I'm supposed to transition into a new season of life, things usually happen pretty quickly and abruptly. That's just kind of how God has worked in my life. I cannot explain it to you. When I decided to move to Austin, I got a job offer and I had to be there within two weeks. I gave my two weeks notice and two weeks later, I was living in Austin with strangers um, that I had never (laughs) met before. Yeah. And that had opened up their home to me, um, which are now my really great friends, Jenny and Trey. But um, shout out to them for letting me stay with them as a stranger. Um, I had only met them one time before moving in. So um, then I, you know, from there, I have I've had a lot of different crazy quick transitions. But when I decided to take um, the job with Be The Bridge and move to Atlanta, once again, that was a two week thing. I. Um, moved to Atlanta within two weeks from Greenville, South Carolina, after I had just moved into an apartment and like just unpacked. So y'all, um, <laughs> let me just say that I am no stranger to change. And the only reason why I'm able to change and adapt and move with these abrupt changes when God says move um, is because I truly believe in the timing and sovereignty of God. I also have um, adapted this kind of mindset to hang on to life loosely, right? Like 
One lady once asked me and she said, what is your plan for your life? Like, where do you see yourself going? And I said, this is where I see myself. But what I've learned from life is that far too often how I see things going is not how it's going to go. So I'm going to hold my plans very loosely um, because life is going to have its changes and its twists and turns and it's not going to be exactly as I expect it to be. So (laughs) that is how I deal with change. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay, I do have to ask, since you've, you have way more roommate experience than I have, what are your sort of do's and don'ts of being a roommate? I don't want you to tell bad, like, you're, you know, we're not going to do like we do with, with with dating and tell your, like, worst roommate story. But, like, just kind of, like, what would you say are, like, things that you've learned or learned and, like, how do you match with a roommate? Like, what are some do's and I mean, because I'm like such an introvert. I've had roommates twice in my adult life and both times. Well, one time it was we'll leave that for another day. But my most successful roommate situation was she was like older and our house was like two stories. And so we had our own space and, and she Matching personalities is very important for it's everything. It's <laughs> to, everything for six for successful roommates, and so. But yeah, even that, I was like, when she, yeah, you know, started dating someone seriously and and headed towards marriage and moved out, it was like, yeah, I don't think I want to live with anyone. <laughs> man, oh man, I think I would say some of the main things when you're being a roommate. I'm gonna say like things that you can do to consider people. Like one is. Truly tell that person when you have guests coming over, there's nothing worse than coming home from a long day to a house full of people that you did not expect to be there. Um, At least, like, if you know, then you can prepare your mind to know, okay, like, I'm going to go to my room or they're going to have people over or whatever. Um, The other thing I would say is keep the common area clean. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Now, I am not a neat freak, but I feel like at minimum, I... I strive to do my best to keep the common area where anybody's going to come and see my house clean. Um, And when you're sharing your house with somebody, you want the common area clean because when you get home, if you bring a friend, you don't want it to be messy down there. So keeping the common area clean, um, pay your bills on time. Um, (laughs) I mean, you shouldn't even have to say that, but, you know, pay your bills on time. Uh, Be a person of your word. And also... Don't have high expectations of friendship from your roommates. I cannot tell you how many people I disappointed um, living with them because I was not a super like, let's do everything together. That's just not how I am when I roommate with people. Um, and it's and it disappoints people every time about me because they're like, you're such a people person. And I'm like, I am, but I do not like anybody to put any expectations on me to have to like do and be anything. So if I ever had a roommate that was like, let's sit down, we have to have like roommate accountability time or roommate devos, I would run like immediately. <laughs> I can't do it. I just don't love it. That's yeah. just not my personality. I don't like it. Yeah. I like to be like left alone. And like we could watch movies and stuff, but I mean, I just like my space. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the thing with like that, you're personable outside of or outside of your house when you come home. I feel like we're very similar in that like when we're home, we want to be home and like relaxed. I also would say having these conversations up front with your roommates so you have clear expectations of like game changer. We're not 
you know. So for anybody that's headed into a season of new roommates, finding roommates, just some things to keep in mind. Um, yeah, I feel like I, uh, you know, am in a period of change. I'm graduating from seminary. By the time this airs, I will have been, I will be a graduate of Baylor's Truett Seminary. Eight, eight, eight. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's been long and short. Yes. Tough and easy. Yes. It's like, it's weird. And I think for, for me, with, like, change, thing, it doesn't have to be one thing. Like, you can feel both excited and nervous. Um, you can. And I feel like sometimes, I feel like sometimes we put ourselves in a box of, like, okay, God, you're doing something new. Like, I'm excited about that. And, like, we are hard on ourselves if we still have, like, this, like, residual fear. And I just feel like, well, for some of us, change comes in a season like my season of change I really don't know what's next and so I just feel like um getting away from the sort of binary thinking that like you have to because sometimes change is even not by your choice right like something someone else has done yeah has created the need for change and you know it it is abrupt, but not by your choice unlike Faith who is like a champion packer at this point Gosh. so I would say the big thing I do is kind of let myself feel my feelings about change. And I would say, yeah. And I I think also, too, I was talking to someone today about, like, just having had plenty of periods of transition in my life, I do feel like my trust in God has grown in the sense that I go into these periods of change or, like, waiting with more confidence, not in the outcome, but in God's faithfulness, just because I've on the other side of that, I've seen so many times where like, I was worried about nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question about that. Okay. Because you finished seminary, which is a really big deal, like really excited for you. Um, If y'all don't know, seminary is just, it's incredibly rigorous and difficult. Um, And you know, Catherine, you are a steward, student, amazing person of the word of God. You better go, girl. Anyway, um, (laughs) but what I wanted to know from you, because I wanted to dial it back just a little bit. People, you might not have known this, but maybe like a few years ago when we were still doing the podcast, Catherine was at this crossroads moment where she had to decide if she was going to resign from her full-time job and pursue school full-time to finish out or not because she was doing both. So what gave you that courage to take the leap, to take a pay cut, to move to Waco, leave your beloved Austin and your, you know, family home there and pursue school full time? Because that's a big deal. Also, if y'all don't know, if you're new here, Catherine's a lawyer. Okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah, like what gave you that courage? You know, it was one of those things where, so I'm probably the opposite of you in the sense that I sometimes take a long time doing what God has like made obvious. So I probably felt stirrings that it was time for me to leave my previous job in like 2016. And it just... And I kept thinking, well, it's going to go away. Like, I need to have health insurance. Like, I need to, like, I need to make this amount of money. I need to have health insurance. I need to be putting money in a 401k. And, you know, God, I know I feel, like, called to, like, do the school thing full time. But, like, what you're asking me to do is not realistic. It's just not realistic. As a black woman in America, it's just not realistic. And, but that, like, feeling of unease would not go away. And I did spiritual direction. And I did... um sessions with like an executive leadership coach and in both things they were like if you could do anything 
um, what would it be? And like the thing that I felt like called to do or had envisioned had like almost nothing to do with what I was currently doing. And my spiritual director said to me, I think you know what you're, you're here, you know, but I think you know what God has called you to do. You're just, you're just don't want to do it. You're afraid. So rather than talking about like discerning the next thing, let's talk about this fear. And I think, you know, we went through a couple of exercises where she had me like write down other periods in my life where it was a period of transition and, and afraid. And like in every instance where God was like, so faithful. And I was like, okay, like, I just don't want to get to the end of my life. And God, I think the thing I kept saying to myself is I don't want to get to the end of my life and get to heaven. And I'm, you know, talking to Jesus and he's like, here are all the things that I had for you if you had not allowed fear to rule your life. And I, and I just, that moment of like, I just don't want to have to have that conversation and I, and I don't want to be ruled by fear. And so really it was that. And it was crazy because like the minute I like told my boss, you know, that I was going to go leave and go to school, like God has provided like financially kind of exceedingly abundantly beyond. I was like, I didn't know where I was going to live. And all of these things just like kind of fell into place. And it just like reaffirmed for me that like I was the holdup in like, and I think sometimes we, we think like, oh, why isn't it happening for me? And it's like, we don't think about the ways in which we get in our, in our own way. So, you know, I think, you know, the next thing after, so, you know, the next thing is like, take these lessons and apply them to our like dating and romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now that like, I feel like career and school wise. Um, so speaking of dating and relationships, um, we talked a lot this season and last season about being single and relationships and, but faith is not single anymore. And so that is a big change in life. And so we always joke about faith um, being like the, <laughs> the, you know, love at first sight, love is blind girl. But I would love for you to kind of talk about how you've experienced change and you've adapted when it comes to like romantic relationships and how, yeah, not feeling kind of fear in that specific realm of life has led you to this like new place and season. Yeah. So first of all, last summer, um, if y'all remember, it was I was telling everybody, I said, shoot your shot. Like, this is your moment. Shoot your shot. Don't hold back, sis. Um, and I was shooting my shots and missing, honey. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> missing Um, but but I was shooting nonetheless um so it did not go well on the dating apps for me shooting my shot but I used to always you know joke around about being on um like shows like Catherine just talked about married at first sight love is blind all that other stuff or I would say I should just be set up by a matchmaker because surely they're doing something right they're trained to do this right so um that's what I used to say But in answering to your question before I say the rest, I think what made me ready and open was that despite all of the breakups, past failed relationships, trauma, hurt, um, and pain from men even, I made it up in my mind that I was still ready And I wanted to open up my heart to love. And I didn't want to allow those negative experiences to define me or keep me from experiencing 
um, a transformative love, right? And so my heart was open to it. And it seems kind of like silly to say that, but it's just true. Like I just kept my heart open to love. I didn't know where it was coming from, but I just knew it was coming and I knew that I was open. I used to like, I've been joking and saying this joke for years. Like I am like Ruth, okay? I am on the threshing floor, okay? And I've been telling people, listen, you know, y'all keep saying we're praying for you. We're praying for you. I said, I don't want prayers anymore. I want prayers in action. I want, you know, I want networking. Set I want a, connections, okay? Set a sister up. Like. Set me up. Faith without <laughs> works is dead. Your prayers ain't doing nothing for me right now if you ain't picking up the phone and trying to text somebody and figure out how you can set me up with somebody. So um, <laughs> it sounds really silly, but I mean, when you grow up in church, we're going to get into this later, but when you grow up in church and you hear cliches, it's just like you, you have to combat that at some point. Like, it's you know, at a certain age, you know, y'all can't be saying the same stuff to me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good and grown. So... Anyways, with the matchmaker in mind, I felt like a matchmaker would be ideal. And but it felt like a pipe dream and kind of odd because I don't know those programs and systems and people. And I don't got money for that, okay? So um last year one of my friends talked about starting a matchmaking business. So I thought she was like kind of serious about it, but not like serious. But because I was so into those shows and I missed the casting times, um, I decided, (laughs) Catherine's literally laughing at me because I did, I missed (laughs) the casting times. Um, I decided, why not take a leap of faith and see if I could, you know, be matched with somebody? Wait, you have to tell me more about like the process. You got to spill the tea. Like enough of the like Ayana fix my life pie in the sky. (laughs) Let's get really practical here and tell me how this worked. Okay, this is the practicals, y'all. Lean in, grab your coffee, whatever you drink in your water. So I said to her, I want to do this. In my mind, I said, this could be it. I can meet my husband. I'm ready. this could be it, you know? So she sent me a three-page survey, which I was like, oh, she's serious. So she wasn't doing this for play play. (laughs) Um, She sent me a three-page survey. And then she, um, we did an intake call where she kind of like interviewed me, asked me several questions. um, And questions like, you know, practical things, like what are your thoughts on gender roles? What are you expecting from a partner? What do you want? Um, Do you want somebody that is more emotional or not emotional? Do you want somebody who is, you know, more standoffish or somebody who, you know, some people might say like more like an alpha male or something like that, you know, just she asked a lot of very specific questions as to like what kind of person I really wanted. Let me tell you this, the best piece of dating advice I can give anybody is knowing yourself and who you are is almost like the major key to your relationship succeeding outside of communication. Because if you know who you are and you understand yourself and you know yourself, it will make you a better communicator. What do I mean by this? When you're fighting, when you're having disagreements, when you're whatevering, I can say, you know what? I'm being insecure right now. Or this is coming from a past relationship. Some things are coming up. And that's why 
I'm feeling this way, or that's why I'm responding this way, um, or vice versa. When you don't know yourself and you don't have the emotional wherewithal to be able to work through and talk through your stuff and communicate, it makes your relationship so much harder because then it's just this series of passive aggressive behavior. I hate passive aggressiveness. Let's just shoot it straight and be done with it. Um, So that was just a nugget for free. So anyways, I fill out the intake form. I do the call. She also asked for references. I said, okay. So I had to give references. I gave my, um, she knew me, so she was able to get, have a good pulse on me. I gave my mom as a reference because, um, you know, I don't know about (laughs) y'all, but my mom is not one of those moms that's like, my baby would never do anything wrong. She always is like, no, she probably did it. Yeah. Like, she probably did do that thing. Um, so I knew that I could rely on um, Francine Renee Pearson, to be honest. Okay. So she was very honest. And my mom has seen me through a lot of different relationships. My whole family <laughs> has, honestly. So then um, she she matched me with a person that she felt Uh, met my needs, my desires, my personality and goals. She asked me if I liked nerdy guys. And I said, I actually really do love nerdy guys. Um, And then um, a few weeks later, we got an email with our initials only. We did not know each other's names. We did not know each other's social media handles. She doesn't show you any of that. So that way you don't go to each other's pages and cancel each other out before you meet. So you go into your meeting that person like blind almost. Okay, love is blind y'all. Anyway, um, so she introduced us on Zoom for a quick 20 minute chat and um, she shared why she matched us. um, And then she gave us each other's phone numbers and um, (laughs) told Marcel, that's my boyfriend's name, that he had to contact me first. And 20 minutes later, he called me and we have been talking every day since then. And it has been six and a half months. Um, I'm very happy. I'm so in love. Um, He's met my family. They love him. So, you know, I'm over here. The sun is shining upon me. Yes, Faith, we love we love to see it. Yes, we love to see it. What is one piece of advice people have said to you over the years? You kind of talked about this, about sort of the kind of empty words that people have said when it comes to like finding love and relationships. Um, but so thinking about that and your experience and then where you are now, um, what has been some advice people have given you in the past that was not helpful, but you heard it often? Don't look for it. It'll come when you least expect it. That's what I heard all the time. (laughs) Don't look, don't look for it. It'll come when you least expect it. Like when the minute you stop caring about it, it's going to come to you. Let me tell y'all something about that statement. Just give me a second. Had I not cared, had I not been inquisitive, had I not looked, I'd still be single right now. 
And that's just the truth. Because I had to seek out the matchmaker. I had to ask the questions. I had to ask myself if I was open to meeting a stranger. And had I just said to myself, it will come when I least expect it, I would not be in a really happy and thriving relationship right now. And I think I understand the sentiment behind it, but why I think it's damaging is that it's okay to want something. It's okay to expect something. Yes, girl. It's okay yes, girl. to to say, I want that to happen for myself. I had been saying for years, I want this to happen for me. I see that happening for me. I don't know where my husband is, but he's coming. And I want to be ready yeah. when he does come. So I was expecting it. And um, I was happy when I received it. <laughs> And I think to your point, I think that's so good, too, because it's like you need to put yourself in the path like we're I I read this book um, that is going to be my bless this week about the gravity of joy. And she talks about in the book, like no one can like will themselves to be joyful, but you can put yourselves in positions to experience joy. Mm. And so getting rid of this idea that like um, she uses this analogy of like leaning your ladder against the building, right? Like, yeah. you know, like you're not going to go up or whatever without first like leaning in to be close. And so I do, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, yeah. And I feel like for people too, who are in seasons of life where you're not putting yourself in positions to like, whatever, like for me, it's like, you know, I've been focused on school. So like, if he is not in the library, I ain't seen him. So, yeah, that's real. <laughs> and so then it's like, I can't be mad because it's like, I really haven't done anything. And I think, yeah, it's I love your statement. It's like not wrong to want something or to expect something. It's not wrong to maneuver yourself. If you see a cute guy in church and you think he might be your husband, girl, go sit next to him. What are you waiting for? Like some of these dudes just don't know. And I think also too, I mean- not to get on the ho the hobby horse again, but I do think this goes back to like purity culture and this negative message of like you're bad if you pursue um, that it's like the totally the man's job and you're just supposed to stand there and like wait for lightning to strike, you know, birds to start singing. I don't know, and it's like people get married and find their person in all kinds of ways, all and you are not a bad, you're not a bad person, you're not a bad Christian woman, you know. If you, cause like you're, if you're like Ruth on the threshing floor, let's talk about Leah who used trickery, like um, um, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca was like, let me bring this some water to a well. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there's nothing, I think there's nothing wrong with positioning yourself for the things that you want in life. And, and, and I think that applies in romantic relationships. I think that applies career-wise and I think yeah I just think that idea that like for some people it does come when they least expect it but other people girl I was working okay yes he noticed me I was working <laughs> listen that is the truth <laughs> Catherine you know, is there any just, phrase that somebody specifically like said to you that you heard often I think the biggest thing that I think of that is like um that I've found to be hurtful or harmful is just like you're too smart. It's going to be really hard to get married because you're so smart. And it's like or these dudes are dumb. Uh yeah. And they're not and they're not meant to be my husband, you know? Cuz I just feel like I you know, I have dated 
you know, the relationships that work out, but I, but they didn't work out for other reasons. Like none of those relationships was the fact that I'm like educated, that I have a law degree, that I care a lot about reading and writing. Was that the reason why we broke up? And so mm. I think telling girls they're too smart or they shouldn't go to seminary or they shouldn't go to graduate school because it'll be hard for them to catch a husband is, is really harmful. It's and I, and we should, people should, people should stop saying that. <laughs> they should. And here's the thing, like, when we're what we're talking about with pandemic love, it's not just about romance. It's also about loving our own selves in a new, brave, and a special way. Um, but I want to talk to you about this because we've seen this in culture and society at large. Why is happiness in life always compared to happiness in a relationship? Very rarely in movies or other things do you see a person happy in just their own life. So it's almost it almost yeah. sends this message, right, that the happiness that we have when we're not married isn't as significant and worth celebrating. Um, what do you have to say about just that concept? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right and spot on and, you know, like that this sort of um, message that we're sold from a very young age is that being a full adult being satisfied or happy involves marriage and kids. And I just think that is not the case for everyone. And I think even, and I think even for Christians, I'll get on this for a minute, is like we have elevated marriage and and having Mm -hmm. families even beyond what Jesus and Paul, like as much as Christians, particularly conservative Christians are like, we're people of the Bible. The way in which they've made an idol of the family, I think Jesus and Paul would have a lot to say about that because both of them were like, it's better to remain single. Um, and yet we treat Christ- single Christians as if, you know, they're on the JV team or like, you know, what's wrong with you. And there you get that. It's that thing where it's like, you see people on Sunday and they don't ask you about your career. They're like, so why don't you talk about any boyfriends? Are you dating someone? And it's like, I feel like yeah. in a lot of ways that can be the least interesting thing about you. And I just feel like we don't treat it that way. And I think it encourages single people to feel in some ways like they're defective because they don't have that. And I think to your point about knowing yourself really well and being confident um, in who you are, if happiness is always associated, whether it's a romantic relationship or it's friendship, because I think people can be codependent in their friendships. I mean, like that's, you know, I say this as someone who firmly believes God has created us for community and belonging, but I think it is much bigger than sort of romantic mm-hmm. relation. That is much bigger than romantic relationships. And I feel like, you know, whatever culture ch- decides to do is one thing, but I think the church has failed to live that out. Like the ways in which we see belonging, you know, the 12 disciples and, you know, the church and acts, how they conceptualize community and belonging and happiness and fulfillment is so different than where we are right now in American Christianity. And I just, yeah, I would say for like more, right. if you're married and there's nothing wrong with being married. My parents have been married f- 41 years, I think this year, which is worth celebrating. And I think having a partner to walk through life with is, is great. But I also think nothing is wrong That's with you and you're truth. not unhappy. So happy, because yeah. you're single. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
you can you can be so happy single you can buy a house you can go on vacation with your girlfriends and you can be happy like you know i have like god a goddaughter a lot a lot of my really close friends have kids and it's so fun to see them and go to the birthday parties and, and hang out with them and i don't feel like when i do that that i'm like less than because i don't have children of my own yet and so but yeah i would say if don't tell people and or make people feel like or even like I had this one friend this is the last thing I'll say about this um I was hanging out with these like women and they were spending a lot of time talking about their kids and their husbands and I honestly did not mind I did not feel any type of way about it um because I it was like a good conversation about just you know I don't have kids and I'm not married but it just was a good conversation in terms of when your life doesn't look like sort of this sort of picture perfect thing we're sold in Christianity how do you deal which I think is applicable even if you don't have kids or family so it was like a really good substance of conversation afterwards one of my friends came to me and she's like I'm really aware that we spent two hours talking about marriage and family and I'm really sorry that you had to you know but like when she said that and I was like oh no it's not a big deal or whatever but I told her I was like I feel so seen that you realize that like you know, I'm the only single per- person. Yeah, like I am the only single person in this group, and you've spent two hours speaking about something that, like, I really don't have that much to contribute to the conversation. I was happy to listen. Like I said, I learned a lot from them. And then we went, and then she kind of like spent two hours talking to me about like career and like advocacy and justice and all the other things that like are meaningful to me. And so I think married people, like, you can do those kinds of things. Yes. Like, notice, be aware. And talk to your single friends about the things that are important to them. Um, okay, Faith, I, my, I have a question for you. Now that you're <laughs> off the market, what has this experience been like dating? And then what did you learn? Like, what have you learned about taking a chance? Um, maybe something you've done in this relationship that's been different than other relationships. Um. Wow. First, I'm going to say I've learned... I've learned so much about myself. Um, Anytime you open up your heart to someone and you also are in a relationship that requires you to not just care about your own self, you have to think about somebody else, it challenges you and stretches you, especially um, since I've been single for like three years. And so I'm having to adjust to like getting back into the rhythm of what it's like to be in a relationship again was definitely... Um, a challenge and sometimes it's still a challenge because I'm very independent. I like what I like. Um, but I'm also in a long distance relationship that requires work and effort and time, you know, for um, us to communicate because communication is our, you know, main form of maintaining our relationship. So I've just learned that I have to be extra patient with myself, but I've also learned um, so much about the beauty of being able to open up your heart um, and growing to trust someone. And, you know, I think it takes time um, to really grow and trust someone. It takes time to grow in love with somebody. But it's so beautiful when you're able to work through your stuff enough to be able to accept and receive love. And I think far too often we hold our own selves back because of our own fears and our past hurts or whatever it might be. And all of those things are legitimate, right? Like, so I'm not minimizing those things because I've, you know, had to walk through those things and even still process those things. But choosing to open up my heart in spite of my fears 
has been the most beautiful, you know, life-changing thing for me. And I also think that even just in this season of life in general, I've opened up my heart to making new friends and meeting new people and trying new things. And that has been such a beautiful gift. And I literally feel like every place I've gone, every change, every season, God has blessed me with connecting me with incredible people in each and every place. I feel like it's just a small expression of God's love for me um, to be able to continue to cultivate community with people everywhere I go. So yes, change is bittersweet, whether that's changing in your relationship status, going from single to being in a relationship, um, but also moving and leaving your family and trying new things is difficult as well. But you know what? God is still there and he's still you know, with us during, you know, all of these changes and transitions, right? So anyways, I think that being in this relationship has been a gift and a tangible, you know, me getting to experience a tangible expression of God's love for me. Um, And that has been such a gift. So yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I, I think you're right. And I think for people not in romantic relationships, you know, as we're coming back to life, like as things are starting to open up and people are feeling more comfortable, I mean, life doesn't have to go back to normal, right? Like how you've experienced love, how you've worked, how you've engaged with your family, how you've engaged with your friends before or even during doesn't have to be what it always is like you are free to change and I think you know there have been a couple of articles in the New York Times lately about the ways in which this sort of extended time off um this sort of extended work from home millennials are like picking up and leaving yeah huge cities they're moving closer to their family you know they're moving to hawaii or whatever because i think life is too short to be and not that you won't have seasons of unhappiness where things are hard but i think to define yourself i think for me at least of what i've seen to define yourself in one way, whether it's by a city or a job, and then have this huge disruption, I think what people are realizing is like, I don't want to be this or defined by this anymore. So I'm going to take a leap and change the definition. And so I think, you know, for people that are not in romantic relationships, like pandemic love could just be you loving yourself enough to bet on yourself and to take a risk on yourself, like for yourself and and taking a leap of faith to love yourself better, to be kinder to yourself, to, um, yeah. in and even in, you know, your family relationships, so many friends are like, we're going to live closer to our, like, we want to be in the same city as our parents. And so even love and other relationships and making changes, um, to be better and thrive better in those relationships. So speaking of which faith, you have more big news to share uh, related to you being closer to family and love springboarding you into other things. And so, yeah, well, you got to spill the tea for our listeners. It is. Um, so I am currently in the process of moving. 
Um, last month, I resigned from my job at Be The Bridge to pursue writing and creating full time. Um, I will be living in Baltimore with my brother and his family and my baby besties. Y'all know how much I love my niece and nephew. And um, Marcel is going to be moving to that area too, so we can be done with long distance very soon, prayerfully, and working there and expanding his career there. And so we are really just starting to align our lives together to prepare to build a future together. That sounds like so weird, but it's the it's the truth. So um, I'm really excited. I honestly, if you would have asked me eight months ago that this would be happening, I probably would have said, huh, no. But the fact that it's happening is amazing. And it's always been my dream to be a writer and write books. And so I'm so excited for what's next. And what um, God has for me and um, my family and Marcel and I. And um, let me just tell you, y'all, one day I will talk more, but 2020 truly was the year that broke me and birthed me. So much um, pain and horrific personal trauma um, I experienced last year, but I feel incredibly blessed. I literally wake up every day so grateful that God gave me one of the best gifts in being loved by Marcel um, after a season of so much pain. Oh, everyone at home. Oh, I mean, it's just a blessing. It's been life-giving and everything that, um, that I've needed. So, I'm ready for this next phase of my life. Like you're saying, Catherine, the articles, things that us millennials are evaluating, you know, I've built my life and career on work because work was all I had in front of me. And I've had to sit down and ask myself so many times, who am I outside of what I do? And have I defined myself by what I do? And how can I grow personally and embracing the change and the new um, outside of just a job, right? And not being defined by just a job, but to continue to ask myself, when I look back on life, what kind of a life do I want to say that I've lived? Um, what do I want? What kind of experiences do I want to have had? And, um, you know, I've always wanted to at some point get married and have kids. And so I am opening up my heart to that next phase of my life. And um, I want that more than I want all of my career um, aspirations, right? So I'll still do the things that I love. I'll still get to write. Um, But I'm making room in my heart and life intangibly um, for love. And, you know, God told me to start making room in 2018. Um, I didn't know it'd be 2020 when that room was kind of like made sense. But, you know, I'm making room and I'm excited um, because we're human. We can't do it all. Honestly, let's just be real. We can't do it all. So I'm excited that I've been able to make some room for the next season of life to where I can thrive and enjoy and not be overcommitted and overburdened and burnt out. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think for you know, for people listening, like whether or not you're like moving towards like something certain, 
with like like how faith said or you're like with me and we're still trying to figure it out like god is with you in the middle and the mess and i think you know there's nothing wrong with like prioritizing work um but i think the work it matters what kind of work you're doing is the work that you're doing something you're called to that it's bringing you life and thriving and i think people have you know to the ways in which we try to have conversations all the time is it's a really a privilege because there are so many people that have to have jobs that they hate to feed their families and to care for them. And so, um, you know, we want to hold space for that as well. But I think also too thinking about, you know, I do think it's worthwhile thinking about who you are. If you could never tell someone where you work or what your credentials were, what would you say? Um, Cause I think we so often define ourselves um, in these very like limited and narrow ways. Um, and I think God wants to open us up to something new. Um, I think to make, sometimes to make room, you have to get rid of some things. And so, um, yeah, so we kind of wanted to just leave you guys with a few nuggets of wisdom from Dr. Renita Weems's book, Showing Mary. Um, if you're in a season of transition and change, get this book. She will speak so much life and encouragement over you. And so yes. I think Faith and I oh both would highly recommend it. <laughs> so we're 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 both we're we're both okay. gonna read quotes. So. Faith is gonna go first. After struggling to break out of your cocoon, things are beginning to come together. You've met a friend who shares your passion. A few of your close loved ones are beginning to come around. For every two doors that had closed in your face, one has opened with your name on it. You have had some lonely moments during these months, and it was all right. You learned this past year that you could survive being alone. Some blessings are a cause for dancing. Let the passion rip and get into the dance. The lesson here is to learn how to be happy for other people and not for yourself alone. Celebrate with your friends over their good fortune. Be happy for your girlfriend when she marries before you or conceives a baby when you're still trying. The joy you hope to reap in your life is tied to the joy you are able to plant in other people's lives. Let go of the need to be in control and to know every detail before you can trust God. There is a place in your spiritual journey when you have to trust God, even when you can't track God. Be spontaneous. Stop trying to figure it all out. You have to trust your instincts. Trust your heart to guide you. Trust your passions. Let the inner woman or man have their say. You won't be sorry. They know more than you think. They have all the information you need. They've been clamoring to get your attention. They are your gift from God. Every time you thank God for a little more wisdom and a little more insight, God will send you more. If you knew exactly where you were going, you wouldn't need to pray. So I'm going to end, um, read a prayer over all of us. Lord God, dancer of the universe, the creator and choreographer of all of our dancing, show us how to dance. Take my hand and give me a twirl. Spin me around until I collapse in your arms. Teach me a step until I get it right. Lead me where I'm not inclined to go on my own. Toss me in the air until I squeal with delight and can see further than I have ever seen before. Make me dance with you until I don't recognize my new self 
and I am breathless from mm-hmm. joy. So that was an excerpt for um, Showing Mary by Dr. Juanita Weems. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes for where you can purchase the book. Um, it's sold wherever books are, are sold. So I uh, hope that that encouraged you, um, that you know that, yeah, you can trust God with the steps, the choreography, and he will have yes. you dancing in rooms and you never saw yourself in rooms. This episode is so heartfelt to me like and me sharing with you all um, about this piece of my story because every single moment and season of time of what I was doing at that moment was never wasted focusing in on my career choosing to travel and see the world and go to 20 countries it was all for a reason none of it was wasted it was all for a time. And now I get to focus on things in a new way. And I, I hope that as you look back on life, even if it doesn't look like you wanted it to, trust me, I looked back several times like this is not what I expected. Um, but it's all worth it. So we love you all. And thanks for rocking with us. And it is now time for our favorite segment and yours. Go off, sis. Um, y'all, I am going to tell you what my bless is right now and what I'm loving. So due to the fact that I'm moving, I have been very unplugged and unmotivated. I'm just going to be honest. Um, thankfully my therapist freed me of any kind of, um, shame or personal, um, guilt that I would place upon myself for not feeling as productive. This is one thing in my life that I'm definitely growing in and I'm going to be working through for a long time, especially as an eight on the Enneagram. It is hard to rest sometimes, but I'm allowing myself to rest and learning not to feel guilty for resting. So if you struggle with that, I'm with you. But what I'm loving right now is being unplugged from the news and just everything going on. I'm seeing some of the things happening, um, and it is a lot going on around the world, but it has been so good for my soul to not be so tapped in because I was feeling overwhelmed with despair. Like everything's going bad everywhere. And it is not lost on me how privileged we are in the United States um, to have a vaccine and all this other stuff when several countries are still struggling and fighting COVID. India, you know, continuing to pray for those there. And so I'm thankful to have the privilege to, to even be sitting here in my home comfortably um, and being able to talk and do this podcast right now and to have the ability to unplug and rest. That's a privilege. I'm thankful to God for that. And that's what I'm loving is learning how to rest. What is a mess? Packing my whole apartment up. It is a mess. Um, not only is packing a mess, my house is a mess as I, you know, unearth all the things. How does all this stuff, how, how, how does all of this stuff get created? I don't know. Why did I create it? I don't know. So um, <laughs> I am packing is a mess. It's a mess. I hate it. It is what it is. But my encouragement to you all is to please be cautious as uh, quote unquote, the world goes back to normal. It's not ever going to go back to normal. Um, But keep in mind, people are going through a lot all around the world. And we, we in the United States are very privileged. And, um, 
And I just think that we need to be mindful of other countries that are going through a lot right now. I believe Colombia and several other places are really going through it. So please keep those other countries in mind, in your thoughts, um, in prayers, your actions, and all of the above. Yeah, India, uh, the COVID rate is exploding. Um, yeah, find um, trusted organizations to donate money yes. to in addition to your prayers. Um, if your church supports missionaries in those countries, that's another great way to like give funds and support because they're on the ground and they know what's going on and so they know how to direct resources. So I would say tap into those resources too. Okay, so my mess... I've been really unplugged from the news lately too, but I think one thing that has like really has kind of been bothering me the last couple days is the sort of um, short memory. And I will say this as someone, I firmly had to write a paper in class Mm -hmm. about forgiveness and its role in the Christian life. So I do believe there's a place to forgive, but I think that sometimes we forget. And I don't think that God calls us to forget. There's so many examples in scripture where God says, remember, remember the former ways, remember, you know, when I had to cast your ancestors out and it's a little, I feel like we're engaging in a revisionist history about the insurrection on January 6th. And we have moved to, um, people are, you know, for lack of a better word, gaslighting on what exactly occurred. And I think it's a mess that Liz Cheney, uh, Republican Congresswoman from Wyoming is being punished for wanting to hold people accountable, for wanting to hold hearings, um, and to say that, you know, attacking American democracy when you're Mm. upset about the outcome is bad. (laughs) And, and so I just, I think that that's a mess. And I think that there's a way to remember and for people to be, you know, as someone who has advocated for criminal justice reform and, you know, knows that prisons are not ideal institutions of reform, um, I do think that there's the space for people. What does it look like to bring people back into society as a circle? And I don't think that involves forgetting what happened and what they did. Um, but I does say, like, I forgive you, repent. This is what repentance looks like, repair. And I just feel like to say that, like, we're just going to forget and act as if nothing has happened. I don't think that's biblical and it's very upsetting that. to me. So Go that is my ahead. mess. Um, my bless hey. is graduation. Truett Seminary um, has been challenging, but it's been such a blessing in my life. Particularly, I'm going to shout out some professors who really have like encouraged and loved me well. And they don't listen to this podcast, but I will say it for you guys so that if you ever have ever thinking about seminary, you will find them. Um, Jenny Howell and Angela Grell and Dennis Tucker um, have been really just a really great blessing. Dr. Reed um, and Stephanie Body, one of the few black female professors at Truett and at the School of Social Work here at Baylor has been, I don't know what I would have done without her, such a wonderful mentor and encourager in all aspects of my life. So mm-hmm. um, I want to, yeah, I want to affirm this place and what it has meant to me these last five years. I'm not going to cry because I have to save those tears for tomorrow at graduation. Um, but yeah, it just has been really significant in ways that I didn't, I didn't realize. I, I, yeah, it was, yeah, I think has blessed me and birthed me in ministry in ways that I, I think will still are still unfolding um and some of the friendships i've 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 formed here with some of the unlikeliest people two of my best friends i've made in seminary are white males and i love them to death um they're great great people um so that's my bless i also really want to bless 
<laughs> sound and metal. This is like pop culture, not as serious. Um, yeah, I really want, I really have thought about that movie so much since I watched it. Um, Riz Ahmad, uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but phenomenal performance. One of my favorite movies that I saw last year. He didn't win, but he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, has It's just, yeah, about... And, and I feel like it goes with the theme of this episode so well. He experiences mm. this huge trauma and his whole life has to change. And it's like, how do you navigate change? Are you going to hold on to the person you were? Are you going to lean into the new thing? And how, and how do you do that? well and it's really thought-provoking and so I highly recommend that and then the last thing is a book by Dr. Gorilla, a professor I had um, at Truett called The Gravity of Joy especially if you're someone who does ministry with like young adults or people who are walking through suicidal ideation or substance abuse I highly recommend this book about mm. how do we fight the epidemic of like hopelessness in this country and what does it mean for Christians to understand that God wants us to be joyful. And like, what does that look like when we have to deal with really hard things? And so I commend those things to you. Um, yeah, I have, yeah, this has been, it's like a good, it's weird to say it's a good season when so many people are like, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm like excited to rest. I feel like I've been mm -hmm. going nonstop for <laughs> a long time between work and then seminary. And like seminary is challenging in like emotional and spiritual ways, but it's been good. God has been so faithful and I'm glad it's over, <laughs> but I'm thankful yeah. for all the things it meant while I was here. I mean, so that's this what is I so have. Good. And on this theme of change and embracing what's ahead and celebrating where you are. Just know, y'all, wherever you are in life right now, relish in it. And just know that it's all, like ev yes. every single bit of your journey and story is for a reason. It's for a reason. So we're going to wrap this episode up. We might do it in two parts, or you might not hear from us next week because we're going to take a break, okay? So, um... Just know that we're going to take a week to just rest and restore our souls. Um, Catherine has finished a big, big milestone um, in her academic career. She needs a, a rest. <laughs> uh, I will be moving across the country. And um, we just want to thank you all so much for listening. And we would love it if you would rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and help us get to 200 reviews and join our Patreon community. We um, are really building up our Patreon community and we're so grateful for, so, for those of you who have supported us thus far. As you all know, this is not our job. We do this from the abundance of our hearts, but we do need your help to meet um, our monthly donation goal. So we are $210 shy of our monthly podcast expenses goal. So we're getting closer and closer. We want to shout out Tyler, um, a new patron, and Daphne, an existing patron who upped her donation. Thank you so much. We appreciate you all believing in us and this podcast, the work that we're doing, our heart for Black women, um, for people 
people in general who choose to listen to this podcast and for you all choosing to support us. If you or your family member or your organization or business wants to support us monthly, please um, join our Patreon community. We do special episodes there. And also um, you get to listen to the episodes early before everybody else does commercial free. And um, anyways, so our Patreon community will definitely be getting an episode next week from us. So if you want to keep up with us and what's going on, definitely join our community. So we love you all and we will talk to y'all soon. Bye.